Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden and the natural world. I'm your host, Misty Little, and we're launching right into season seven with an episode about how to source native plants, one of my favorite topics. So native plants, they're all the rage in books and social media and podcasts, particularly this podcast. But where do you source them? Proponents of native plants tell you to plant more of them to attract pollinators, to benefit the insects and wildlife in your yard. But do you even know where to begin to find them? Well, if you're like me, it may have taken a lot of trial and error to find actual native plants that work for you and your garden. Now, many native plant proponents will state that you should actually grow what is ecologically growing in the same eco-region as you. But if you've been shopping for native plants for any length of time, you know exactly how hard that can actually be to do. And if you live in a large state like me, Texas, native plants can be broadly for East Texas or the Hill Country or El Paso. Maybe you're lucky and live in a state with less eco-region diversity, but for me, that is not the case. If you're a complete newbie to native plants, it's relatively easy to start dipping your toe into the native plant world. Your local garden center, not your big box store, is likely to have at least a small section of common native plants. And your box store will probably have that too, but you're gonna need to be a little bit more careful about buying plants at big box stores just because of the neonicotinoid issue. And that's probably a whole nother podcast, but uh, yeah, just do a little bit of research before you go grabbing things from the box store. So some of those plants at your local garden center may be broadly native to the entire U.S. or a large portion of it, and others may be regionally native. But after a while and many visits to nurseries in your area, it'll be pretty clear that there is generally a set selection of native plants that are conveniently available year-round to the home gardener. This may change from time to time. You'll get lucky with something unique and harder to find, but in general, when you want to branch out and broaden your horizons, you're going to find it difficult to do so. So what is a native plant gardener to do? Well, luckily, there are some options. So to get beyond planting, you know, echinacea and butterfly milkweed, you really should start studying the region you live in. Go for hikes, look at what is common on the fringes of roadsides, start studying what grows near you. This may take a couple seasons to see what's blooming throughout the year and for you to ascertain what type of habitat you're wanting to invite into your own garden. It will also help you ascertain what is invasive to the area as well as what is not invasive but just not native. Then before long you'll be seeing your whole area through a completely different lens. Once you've outlined that you're interested in native plants, you need to think about the habitat in your own yard. Is it full sun, partly shady? Are you wanting to renovate an area of the garden that is under a canopy of trees? Not all native plants are created equal. Transplanting a blackfoot daisy, Melopodium leucanthemum, into your East Texas music shade garden is not going to work. Ask me because I know. (laughs) Blackfoot daisy is a very common native plant you will see at a lot of nurseries in Texas, particularly in the hill country but it likes dry, more limestone-y uh, soils, and it just and it needs a lot of sun. It did not work well in my garden. But there's no harm in experimenting. It's what gardening is about and, you know, wasting a little bit of money. <laughs> That's uh, something that happens a lot of times when we garden, but it's something we don't want to do on the long term either. You know, all of those 8 and $10 pots and, and on up, you know, start hitting the wallet pretty hard. So once you've got your habitat and soil and moisture requirements kind of outlined, now it's really time to start looking for native plants. So like I mentioned, local nurseries are your first step, but sometimes there's a separate native plant section and sometimes not, and you're gonna be finding things mixed in a lot of the times. And even if you do find a native plant section, you can run into problems with common names and marketing. So common names are great, 
until they aren't. When multiple plants are known by a similar or even the same common name, you can easily run into problems. I've asked for hawthorns at garden centers, and the folks helping have directed me over to Indian hawthorn, Rapiolepis indica, a non-native and common landscaping plant around here. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Not what I'm talking about. And I want to know if they had any native critica species. And uh, you will find the same critica species over and over again, typically, but there's quite a lot of variety in uh, critica species throughout Texas and throughout the southeastern United States. And it, it can be hard to find those species. Another problem I ran into down the line, long after I bought a print, was having purchased a supposed Texas cinna. That plant's scientific name is cinna corombosa, and another common name is Argentine cinna, and you guess it, it is from South America and not North America. A lot of plants that do great uh, regionally sometimes are marketed to say that they are from the region. That's how the name Texas cinna came to be, but it's not from Texas at all. Now it is a great plant and I loved it. It grew terrifically for me and it hosted cloudless sulfur caterpillars to me, but it is a native to Texas. Now, if you're going to be extremely picky about your native plants, then that's something you're going to want to be looking out for. Also in the marketing aspect here in Texas, we have a program through our department of agriculture called Texas superstar plants. They are a mix of a few native and a lot of non-native species, but species that have been considered to thrive and do well, especially for the home gardener. So when an unsuspecting and newbie native plant enthusiast might think that because the word Texas is in there, that all these plants are native and they're not. And again, if you aren't interested in a completely native garden, this isn't going to be a problem. But if you are, you need to be careful and dig into the information a bit before deciding whether to add a plant into your garden. This is where we start, you know, find something that's very mixed in with the native plants. And I'm like, mm, is this native? I've run into this a lot of problems with ferns sometimes. Looks like it's in the native section. Have to Google it. Definitely not. <laughs> Something's not right there. So another place to look are Botanic Garden and Native Plant Society plant sales. And uh, trees and shrubs are going to be in those kind of places a lot of the times. You can also join a Native Plant Society. I know the Native Plant Society of Texas and their chapters have sales and you can get on their uh, email list. I am on at least I think the, the overall state native plant society of Texas and one of the, at least one or maybe two of the regional ones in Houston, there's a couple chapters down here, get on those lists. Not only are you going to be apprised of plant sales, but you're going to be kept up to date on any events, any information that comes out about native plants, uh, meetings, things like that. Keep tabs on what's going to be going on and maybe entice you to join and become a member. And not only that, you know, these native plant societies are going to be hardcore native plant enthusiasts and they will probably put you down the rabbit hole of wanting to grow more native plants. And it helps you build connections to other gardeners and native plant enthusiasts. Um, and, and maybe you're maybe you'll be able to trade plants with, with folks one day. Some of the other things you can do, or maybe even the first things you do are, you know, let a piece of your yard go wild. Maybe not your front yard if you're in a subdivision, but stop mowing a patch of your yard and see what comes up. There's a good chance that if you're in suburbia, you'll just probably end up with non-native grasses or seasonal non-native weeds. So you can see my episodes about iNaturalist to learn more about identifying plants with that app. You can see my episode on field guides to how you can use those to help you identify plants too. So in my yard, 
uh, things are still wild enough that if we let things go, a lot of native plants will come through, including we've had Sporanthes orchids. Um, actually, this is the time of year they should be coming up. Unfortunately, my husband just mowed because we're possibly getting a tropical storm in the next few days. He kind of wanted things a little cleaned up. But in the fringes around my yard, I have a lot of native sedges and our low spots that they get wet enough certain years, wetland plants come through naturally. And you can use this stuff to your advantage, you know, that way you're not having to go buy plants that are probably hard to find. You're not going to be finding these sedges in cultivation. Letting them come up and grow is a good thing for you. So the next step is to, you know, check out roadsides and parks that have plants and nab some seeds for yourself. Some of my favorite plants I've grown over the years have been a random seed pot I've grabbed from a weedy area adjacent to a parking lot in suburbia. Something looked interesting and I grabbed it and I tried to grow it. Now, I'm going to say all of this with caveats and stuff. If someone asks you not to take something, respect their wishes. You know, don't go running into people's yards and grabbing cuttings without permission. And, and don't collect from parks and preserves with, you know, specific rules about doing so. Usually state parks and national parks have a lot of rules about collecting uh, seeds or keeping anything natural from those places. Now, national forests have a few maybe of interest. There's, I think there's like a commercial one where if you're going to be selling it, there's some division of that. And then there's just like, you know, you're the home gardener. You want to collect some stuff for yourself. There's also a separate thing for that. Um, but again, know your park and, you know, ask permission. Now, there's definitely plenty of very common native plants that grow in roadsides, right-of-ways, or ditches. And grabbing a seed pot or two isn't going to really attract a lot of attention. So I just grabbed some uh, Maryland cinnapods recently around the corner from my house in a shrubby area. Nobody cares about it. Three feet off the road. But if I went there with a shovel and started digging up 10 plants, there's a good chance someone's going to be like, what are you doing? And, and I know in particular, if I did something in my area, nobody is actually going to care, but you do that in your area, that might be a different story. So use some common sense. And, you know, also caveat here is that don't take endangered species from public places. And that includes roadside right-of-ways or other public places. And I know that can be really hard. If, if, if you are seeing an endangered species coming up in a roadside that is where you would need to, you know, talk to your native plant society. You know, if, if your um, highway department is mowing that area and you're like, oh, this is a rare orchid and it keeps coming up, but you guys keep mowing it. And this is where you would start talking to native plant societies. You would call, call these uh, transportation departments and being like, hey, y'all need to not mow this certain time of year so that we can protect this plant. Because there's, there's a lot of... There are a lot of endangered species who are endangered just because nobody really knows where they're growing. Nobody's looking for them. And if you happen to know what you're looking for, you can find them in the oddest places sometimes. But especially orchids, you know, they're endangered for a reason. You know, don't go digging up, uh, you know, a lady slipper orchid because, you know, that that growth requirement is not going to be replicated in a garden setting and there's plenty of people out there who grow orchids you can find reputable growers to find orchids out there so buy from someone like that don't go digging that stuff up and it's just better to enjoy that stuff where you see it once you find something in nature like that you're like oh i know the spot where such and such plant grows and it's endangered and it's 
it gives you so much more joy to just go back every year and to see it there and enjoy it where it's growing in its native habitat. So that's also another caveat. And again, I'm not a lawyer. You should know your local laws. Always ask permission in doubt. But, you know, your kids are playing soccer in a field and you know that the landscapers and manicure people are going to come through and just mow off to the side next to the the bushes over there and no one's going to care if you grab <laughs> seeds from some plant that you find that is really cool but you're walking in a state park and grabbing tons of you know who knows what that's more of a problem so use some common sense here but those are some ideas to get some interesting things that you may not be finding elsewhere because truth be told like I mentioned earlier, you're going to find just a lot of the more common, easy to sow plants at nurseries. And, you know, a lot of people aren't interested in sedges or native grasses. They want, they want your echinaceas and these beautiful flowering plants, but all of these other plants serve a purpose too. They're just, they're just not sold in nurseries nearly as much or as often. And that's where going back with those Native Plant Society sales comes into effect here because that's where you're going to find, you're going to start seeing more of that stuff and you're probably going to run into folks who are growing the more unique and weird stuff. And that's where you can start trading plants and seeds. And that's, that's where it all, all the good magic happens. So online seed stores and shops, a lot of folks are buying their seeds and native plants and that can mean anything from Amazon to eBay to, you know, Prairie Moon Nursery and beyond. But it's a tricky situation. And if you're like me, you've learned that you can't be too picky, especially if you're not restoring a farm field or a wetland habitat into, you know, a native prairie or something like that. And that's where we'd have to be a little bit more specific on what you're going to be growing. But you should keep it to a more broad region, or at least look at where the plants you're interested in growing is actually native to. So you find a plant you love, and it has a wide range throughout the southeastern U.S., and you live in Mississippi? Well, that plant is likely to work just fine for you. But find a plant you love, and it's native to alpine areas of California? Mm, and you live in Mississippi? Probably not the best fit. Now, maybe it's the species you enjoy. Let's say salvia, for example. Okay, that California native isn't going to work in the humid south, but what native salvia species are in the south that are accessible to you? So start there and look for seeds there. Now I mentioned Prairie Moon because they are probably one of the more well-known native plant stores online, but you can find native seed plants in just about any of the major seed outlets online. But again, you have to really look and see where that seed is native to and go from there. I've tried seeds that I've bought from... Uh, um, botanical interests and you know have it has come to haunt me later because it didn't germinate or the plant didn't thrive because I didn't realize or google that plant and actually see where it was native to and and that's kind of a pitfall of just randomly buying seeds from places that aren't catering to your region and that's one thing I appreciate about Prairie Moon is that you can sort by zone, you can sort by sun tolerance and moisture tolerance. Uh, because Prairie Moon is based in Minnesota, there's less selection for the us down south. But if I broaden my search from just zone 9, include zone 7 and 8, I can usually find something that will work for me. And as I mentioned at the start, Amazon and eBay are places to look as are Etsy. 
But to be honest, I'd stay clear of Amazon unless it is a major seed company that is just reselling their typical wares there. And if they're doing that, you might as well just go to their company's website and buy directly from them so that they can make the money instead of having to send part of it to Amazon. Now, my husband has bought native seeds and plants from eBay, and I've also bought plants and seeds from Etsy. But reputable is something to be looking for there. That there's, there's a lot of unreputable seed and plant sellers on both of those places, either acting as like a drop shipping type situation where they don't actually have the product on hand and they order it from elsewhere and have it shipped to you, or they're just unethically collecting. Stick with Etsy here on this because that's where I've typically bought seeds and plants. But you need to look carefully at their sales, their location, and plants they're selling to get a good idea if they're wild harvesting plants or if they're actually, you know, growing things from seed from them themselves. Now, you know, wild harvesting plants isn't a totally negative thing. They could be getting plants off of private property from with permission or from property that's going to be developed, but often a lot of these folks are just going to public lands and poaching. And you can kind of tell someone is a home gardener that they're just growing themselves and you can kind of tell who's being unethical and poaching. But if you're hesitant, you know, maybe message them and, and see what their reaction is. Ask them directly, where are you buying your plants? Where are these plants coming from? And another good thing to look at is pricing and photography. I think that if the pricing seems just exorbitant, if it seems marked up completely from what you would be buying elsewhere, um, you're probably not going to get a good quality plant and they're probably just, you know, yeah, it's not a good situation. Also look at the shipping. If it seems like their shipping is a little crazy, but the prices are like really low and that's also somewhere to, they're going to scam you and, and, and their photos. If it looks like they've, you know, got grainy photos from the internet or their photos just seem old and it just, you can get a vibe of who's legit and who's not on Etsy and read the reviews. If a lot of the reviews are like, it was, you know, claimed to be, um, if there's enough, you know, one or two star reviews or just negative comments, probably a place to steer clear from. That's just kind of my, my hints there on, on buying from Etsy at least. But I have, I have had good places that I bought from on Etsy. Now, I'm going to go ahead and mention some nurseries and seed sellers here online that you may want to check out. And, but of course there's going to be others, you know, regionally that will do better for you. You know, I'm not going to be talking about people from Oregon or Washington here or, you know, probably Maine, but I will talk about some of the folks that I have researched either I've bought for them or I've wanted to buy from, but for some reason there's a lot, of, this is another thing you'll run into is you'll run into places that won't ship to certain States because of whatever they're, um, requirements are for ag. Um, maybe they need certificates. Maybe there's just shipping issues for certain plants that they just unwilling to ship to certain States, uh, Texas, Arizona, California, or, or in Florida are big ones that you'll run into. Um, but there, there's other States that have, have their own issues and you'll find that out too. Okay. So now I will mention some of the nurseries and seed sellers that you may want to check out online. Some, I'm going to try to say the ones I've, I've bought from and, and make that known up front. And then others has been a couple that have been recommended to me. There's obviously a ton of other nurseries out there that, you know, I'm just, I've never ordered from, and you guys may have some ideas that y'all can tell me. And I, I also will include a couple, um, 
roundup lists that I've also found online that will give you a little bit of an idea of places that you can check out uh, locally. So, okay, so I've, I've mentioned Prairie Moon uh, and Prairie Nursery, obviously. I've also pretty familiar with uh, mail order natives. Now, I've never, let me find, I'm going to make a lot of clicking noises. I apologize for people who, who don't like the clicking noise sound. Uh, of a computer when you're listening to a podcast. I do find that annoying too, but I'm clicking around to talk to you about uh, some of these sites. So Mail Order Natives, I believe they're in Florida. Yes, Lee, Florida. And I've heard some good things about them. Unfortunately, like she's had a lot of stuff out of stock in the last nine months. And I believe she was on maternity leave for a while. And I think things kind of got away from her during that point in time. And so I believe they're just in a point of growing things out. Just, yeah, there's a ton of stuff out of stock right now, but mailordernatives.com and it says right now their shipping schedule is full until uh, Monday, October 4th, but um, you can, you know, check in with them. I definitely was updated as of today. So definitely a place to check out, especially if you're in the Southeast and, you know, places that you may have some overlap in native plants from there. Now, the place I have ordered seeds from is Native American Seed, and they are out of Junction, Texas. And this is, you know, so you're going to come across a lot of Texas and Oklahoma species here. Uh, Seedsource.com. Now, I have I have definitely ordered seeds from here to with varying results of germination because of, you know, I didn't grow it in the right way or, or whatnot. But they are a pretty reliable and trustworthy place. They're out of Junction, Texas, and I love they have a nice catalog that they send a couple times a year, and it's just really pretty to look through. They have a little write-ups at the end, at the beginning talking about you know native plants. We have used some of their native seed mixes in our right away, and that's what I do like about this is because you'll find native seed mixes from a variety of places, and they may be native, but they're probably broadly generalized natives to that are going to germinate more reliably in a lot of different areas because a lot of people are ordering from different places. Now, this is a little different. They're going to be, you know, mixed for specific locations, particularly for Texas. So they have an Apache Plateau mix, a Caddo mix, and the Caddo mix is an East Texas mix, which we have bought. Uh, and it tells you what's in there. See, clasping coneflower, lemon mint, Indian blanket, partridge peat, partridge pea, plains coreopsis, black-eyed Susan, Illinois bundleflower, and peak evening primrose, which are very common things you would find in the roadway. They have a coastal prairie mix. So that's folks down on the Gulf Coast, which technically I could probably kind of use. Let's see what they've got. A lot of different stuff in here. Uh, quite a lot more stuff. Things from American basket flower, big blue stem, black eyed Susan's, bone sets, um, brown seed paspalum, Florida paspalum, Gulf Coast muley, and other, you know, blooming plant plants uh, in there as well instead of just grasses. So it's a little bit, you know, like I said, a prairie mix. They have a deer resistant mix, a dam slope mix. They they sell a lot to restoration places too. So you're going to find that that dam slope mix is going to be a lot of uh, grasses. There's some mesquite. And, and things like that. So yeah, I mean, maybe you are, maybe you do have a, a property that you're trying to restore. Um, that's definitely a place to be checking out. I do like, uh, like them. And I think they have some like ecotourism. They have some cabins and a hacienda says the cool river cabin and the hacienda Maria. 
if you ever do get to go out towards Junction, I really like that area of the state. It's just a cool area. Uh, the South London River State Park. If you go a little further south is, is Garner State Park. And Kerrville is out that direction. It's just a neat little little place in Texas to visit. So another place that I have ordered seeds from is, is Wood Thrush Natives. And again, I'm clicking around here. I do apologize. And I originally heard about Wood Thrush Natives on the Native Plant Podcast. I believe he was a guest. And at that time, I ordered seeds. I believe he's in Virginia, if I can click over and find that out. It was Virginia or North Carolina. Yes, Floyd, Virginia, near the Blue Ridge Parkway, near Blacksburg, and 40 miles from Roanoke, it says. So I've never ordered plants from here, but I might need to start doing that. I've ordered seeds, and the seeds have been were great. Uh, I actually ended up losing some because we had a downpour. <laughs> I just so sowed them, I germinated, and we had a, like a really downpour, like little flooding issue, and I ended up, they all kind of drowned. I really stunk having to deal with all of that. But they have a wide variety of native plants as well. But again, some of these places I'm mentioning are just small operations. They're going to have supplies until they run out. Then you're going to have to wait, you know, for a whole growing season before something's available. Another one is the, the Common Milkweed Nursery. They are out of uh, Ohio. And they've actually been on the podcast. If you go back maybe three years ago now, they were on the podcast they don't sell online, uh, but they do sell by appointment only. You can go visit their farm in Ohio. And I definitely recommend them because they're really cool folks. And if you really want to get into native plants, they are cool people to pick to pick their brains and to listen to them talk about native plants. They're really passionate about what they do. Uh, I highly recommend checking out their YouTube channel. They're always, I think every Tuesday or Wednesday, Jennifer will put up videos about what's whatever's interesting, you know, nature going on at their house. And uh, it's just fantastic to learn from them and just to hear how much they, they love where they live and they just love nature so much. Now, a place that I've come across for the Western folks uh, a little bit is Spadefoot Nursery. Now, I've never ordered from them. I've just followed them on Instagram. And I, I feel like they are probably somebody worthwhile checking out. I don't believe they ship anything anywhere, but if you're in the Tucson area uh, or driving through, I think it's probably worth going and checking out what they've got in stock. So it's definitely stuff more, you know, acclimated towards the drier regions of uh, the U.S. I think they are mostly native, but they do have some edible plants. And I believe they put, bring in some, uh, you know, plants that have grown like northern Mexico, but they can, you know, cross into into the U.S. and, and still do well. Uh, they have a couple podcasts on their website, but I, cu I couldn't find the podcasts on iTunes or Spotify, but there's like three podcasts that are worth listening to. And check out Petey Mesquite. I believe he is the original owner of um, the nursery. And I think he's probably, he's still maybe part of the part owner. Um, I believe his daughter and her husband run it now. Uh, Petey Mesquite, he's a interesting old guy here. He has a really cool radio show on, it says KXCI. It's called Growing Native. And it is a podcast. You can find this on iTunes. I didn't look on Spotify. I'm sure it's there too. But they're like little five minute essays, audio essays. They're just amazing. And it honestly, it makes me want to do the same thing. And he'll just, whatever he wants to wax poetic about, you know, if that's phenologically going on, 
in in Arizona at that time, he's on there talking about, and so I really want to dig into, he's got episodes, I think he's from, from the 90s, it goes back that long, and I'd like to dig into and listen to some of those early episodes. So that's kind of a, a cool little nursery to check out, and especially online, there's a lot of interesting tidbits that they have. And I really appreciate their Instagram feed, uh, especially their stories. Go look at their story archives. That's really kind of cool stuff. Now I've got a couple nurseries mentioned here that other people have told me about. I kind of put out a call on Twitter asking if they had any recommendations. And someone mentioned Izel plants or Izel plants, I-Z-E-L. And they have growers that specialize in plants native to the Midwest, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and Southeast. So they have kind of a wide range of plants. Now... Unfortunately, I, I there's a lot of interesting stuff, and it says they have free shipping on all plant orders. So I was very excited one day to, to order some plants, and so I go putting things in my cart and kind of looking at my cart, going to maybe check out. Unfortunately, it seems like they don't ship to Texas, and you may run into this on other um, some of these nurseries. Some of these places don't ship to certain states for for various reasons. Um, you know, agriculture wise. So California and Texas and, and Florida are, are big ones that I know. Uh, Arizona, probably Hawaii would come up as problematic too sometimes. Um, so check them out. Yeah. Shipping and plant info. Let's see if they say anything about shipping. Yeah. So they says they have a list of states that they ship to, not the ones they don't, <laughs> but there's a good, good percentage of uh, states that will probably help you out there. I would check them out. Another one is Almost Eden plants. They are based out of, in Louisiana. Yeah, Almost Eden. And they actually look really nice as well. A lot of Louisiana native plants. And they're out of Maryville, Louisiana. I had to Google where Maryville is. Okay, so Maryville is actually not too far from the Texas border. It is between DeRitter and Newton. Um, so if you're familiar with the Texas border, it's like kind of just almost directly north of Orange uh, at the state line, you know, kind of triangled between Los, uh, between Lake Charles, DeRitter, Newton, Orange. It's up that way. I might have to have my husband stop there. He goes to Louisiana for work sometimes. So I might have to have him pop in there <laughs> and see how that nursery looks like. But they have a ton of different plants. It looks, it looks like they've got some non-natives as well. But they do have Louisiana native plants. And they look they look like maybe worth their while. They do have a lot of stuff out of stock right now. But it looks like you can order and have it shipped to you as well. Now, another place that was recommended to me was Missouri Wildflowers Nursery. And I just went to their seed page just to look. And again, I've barely been on this page, but you can select like prairie moon bloom periods and characteristics and things like that and see what comes up. So like, oh yeah, lots of interesting stuff is coming up. Looks like a lot of stuff is out of stock seed wise, but they offer wildflowers and potted plants and things like that. So might be worth checking their website out. I'm going to have to poke around and see if there's anything uh, available and maybe I can buy something. Let's, let's see. And finally, another one mentioned to me is called Possibility Place Nursery. It's in Northern Illinois. It looks like they ship kind of locally from what I could tell, but they've got gallon size pots, pint size pots. I don't really see seeds listed here. It looks like most of their seed is collected in 
that northern state area of like Indiana, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio. And that's kind of where they ship. And it says, you know, if you need delivery to other states, you might be willing to accept some additional shipping costs that they might ship that to you. So some, and they have a lot of actually interesting grasses and sedges and a lot of cool little native plants to check out. But, you know, some of these you'll be able to find in places closer to you, like, you know, Liatris, Olubilius, things like that. But the weirder stuff is harder to do. Now, if you're in Florida, I recommend checking out FAN. It's the Florida, I think, Association of Native uh, Nurseries. I believe it's what it is called. And they have a list if you go to their retail nurseries on their main page and it will take you to a list of all of the retail native plant nurseries in Florida. And there's quite a bit. And I think what I like about Florida so much is they really take their eco regions and habitats to heart with their native plants. Um, like I, my friend who lives in Miami, she lives in what was a pine rockland habitat and she was very wanting to plant pine rockland species in her little, you know, suburban lot. And it's a pretty small lot. The problem you run into is that so many of these pine rockland species are really hard to propagate. Pine rockland habitat is like a super endangered habitat because it's being paved over in Miami constantly. And, you know, it can be a pretty specific thing to be, to be buying. And then, you know... Florida, you've got these like sandy ridges in the middle of the state. There were once, you know, former dunes when, when the ocean was a lot higher. And then you've got, you know, wetlands and swampy areas in the north and a lot of different habitats. I feel like they really take to heart their native plant habitats so much differently than what I've seen other states do, you know, at least, at least from Texas's perspective. Then they're, they're not so great at that, I feel like. Okay, so I'm... This is getting a little bit long, me going through this list of, of folks, and I'm going to put some of the places I found on Etsy just in the show notes for this episode. Some of them I have bought seeds from before. Um, you know, I don't have anything raving to say about them, but they do have native plants. I, I will rave a little bit about Jason Native Garden. I really appreciated his plants. I bought actual plants from him, and I felt like his selection was worthwhile and like the the quality of the plants like the pricing everything was like priced well he didn't like send me stuff in pots so it's heavy it was a lot of bare root things so the shipping wasn't astronomical and I got a lot of great plants and I was able to even divide I think I bought some Carrick's gray eye and like there was enough roots that I could divide those plants into more plants so I felt like I definitely got my money's worth I think he's on uh, a hiatus right now, his shop, but he is on Instagram. I'll put his link on Instagram too. I definitely recommend checking his stuff out. Um, I bought some nodding onion from him, nodding allium, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then midsummer it bloomed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like fantastic. And so I saved some seed and try to grow that out. But I would definitely, I, I would definitely recommend that shop for native, uh, native seeds and plants if, and when he ever opens back up. But again, I've got a list of other places that I've shopped from 
that I feel like are fairly trustworthy on Etsy. And I'll just put them in the show notes and you can check those out because I think I'm getting a little long-winded here on nurseries. And I think I've hit the highlight of the most interesting things that I wanted to talk about here today. And again, I would like to try to maybe put together a comprehensive list uh, of places that, you know, I've shopped at or you've shopped at and, and you recommend. So if you do recommend any of native plant nurseries online or seed shops, or you own something in particular, please let me know the garden path podcast at gmail.com or just DM me over on Instagram at the garden path podcast. And, and let me know because you know, I'd like to get the word out. We need more native plants. We need more diversity in our native plants. We don't need the same plants, you know, that everybody is selling. We need to have some more, you know, niche things out there and, and get that out to the public because, you know, there's only so much tropical milkweed we can grow, you know, you know, the monarchs are having issues with that with OE. I've had that problem this year, but you know, you only get so much, uh, you know, tuberosa at the plant nurseries and I'm like, okay, well, tuberosa is great, but you know what our most common milkweed here in Texas is the green milkweed, the antelope horn and zizodes. And those are, you know, the three more gregarious and common species in our roadsides and our prairies and our habitats right now. We should be having those in our nurseries and, and we're not, and we need, we need the growers to be selling seeds and, and, and plants and doing that and getting away from tropical and now I'm going down the rant now, but, but that's my point is that we need more diversity instead of just providing the same things over and over again. And they're, they're great they're a great starting point for a lot of folks, but when you're really looking to diversify your native plant gardens, you've got to, you've got to branch out from what's being sold everywhere else. So I hope you've learned a little bit from this episode. I hope to do more things like this throughout the season, dive deeper than what we're given and what is given uh, out there. And if you have any particular topics on native plants you want me to talk about or research to present or have guests on, let me know because I would definitely love to uh, get that out there. It's something I'm very interested in and sharing. So, all right. I think I've talked y'all's ears off and I'm going to end this episode. And until next time, happy gardening. <laughs>